Amen. All righty. I appreciate uh, being here with you guys today. There's just a real spirit of peace. I could just sit there and I felt like the Holy Spirit was just splashing over me with water like I was going downstream and just had to do nothing, just enjoying myself. So just join with me in prayer as I, uh, as I, as I ask God's blessing. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here. I thank you that the blessing that they are, I thank you for the work you're doing here. I thank you for the work you're doing in Pastor Jared and his family uh, and the family here. Uh, Father, I ask for your grace to be upon them. I ask for your goodness to flow with them. I ask for, Father, blessings from heaven to flow down on this congregation. Father, I pray that you'd expand their dreams, their visions, Father, of you personally and your plans corporately. And, Father, I ask right now um, for the Holy Spirit, who is the teacher of the church, the standby. You're the artist of heaven. You're the one that takes of the Father and of the Son, and you reveal the beauties of who he is and what he has for us. So I ask the Holy Spirit, be that artist here today. Be that artist here today and just write a picture in our hearts and our minds that uh, we've never seen of you before. Uh, Disrupt our thinking. Make our thinking get bigger, like how big you are. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would allow me to share the words that you put in this heart and communicate it in such a way that it brings revelation and light, Father. Light and love. And Father, it brings life to every single person here. So Father, we honor you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So a little bit of background for myself. I am going, and I'm older than this, but I am going to be celebrating my 40th Jesus birthday this year. I met Jesus 40 years ago. Mm. So a little background. I met Jesus when I was 17. Uh, I uh, wasn't looking for him. Uh, Didn't think he had anything for me. I uh, didn't think God had anything for me. Every time I saw so, some type of religious person, I was like, how do they live like that? Uh, I wanted everything I could get out of life, and I would try everything I could and, and, and just try to enjoy it. But I always knew there was a God-shaped vacuum or void in my heart. There was something missing there. Uh, and I figured I'd try to do this and be successful here, be successful there. And then one day, Jesus showed up uh, in the person of my brother. And my brother was three years older than me. Uh, and he's bigger than me, believe it or not. Uh, he's like 6'5", and back then he was a little thinner, but now he's like 300 pounds. And, you know, being the big brother three years older and I being the little brother being the nuisance, I tended to get a pounding every once in a while because I deserved about half of them. But I knew something was different because when I annoyed my brother now, he didn't pound me anymore. <laughs> uh, small miracles. But he was sharing with me <laughs> about... Uh, He was sharing with me how he met Jesus. And you know what? The more he started talking to me, the more I realized like that vacuum and void in my heart was like, this is it. This is it. You know, and all the things that I was doing at that time all didn't didn't seem fun anymore. Uh, They weren't fun at all anymore. And actually, I just kept getting drawn, drawn to Jesus. And you know, this happened over a couple uh, months period of time as he came home from college and you know he was supposed to spend the summer at the beach you know 
and have a good time in college and all of a sudden like one weekend he shows up and like rich you're supposed to spend the summer in beach college you know have fun and he goes well god called me home <laughs> what what's the matter with you um, but I realized he did, and Jesus kept working on my heart and working on my heart. And one day I was walking, I can still see the picture, the green carpet walking up these steps where we lived. And this is my story, so i got to say it my way. If you don't like the way I say it, you'll, you know, you've got to take that up with Jesus. But this is what he spoke to me. He said to me, I bet you can't do it. You know, God's a betting man. I know that disrupts some religious spirits, but he, he said to me, I bet you can't do it. And I said, yes, I can. He just knew what button to push. He knew. Because I, I did want something better. And I got down on my knees and I said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. And I knew God stepped out of eternity and stepped into my life. And I met the living God. And later on, as I read the scriptures, I realized what happened. And I like the scripture in 2 Corinthians 4. It says this. And this is the miracle of the new birth. The God who said... Light be, you know, Genesis 1-1, the guy who had that on his resume, has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Do you understand what he's saying there? The God who said, light be. And what he said was, let's put, let's put the whole earth in heaven's order. That's what he did. He put the whole earth in heaven's order. The, the world was formless and void at that time. And, you know, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. And he said, light be. And he shed his presence and he put the whole world in divine heavenly order. But, you know, when you receive Jesus, what he said in your heart, light be. And he recreated your human spirit, translated you out of the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God, made you holy and without blemish, made you look like Jesus and sat you in heavenly places. So he equated, get this, the new birth with the creation that the same power that was released in creation was re released in you. Amen. And I knew Jesus li lived inside of me. I mean, it was a revelation to me that Jesus came that I might have life and might have it more abundantly. And that was 40 years ago. Probably the scripture that changed me the most when I read in John 17, 3, said, this is eternal life. Is. Is is present tense, right? Not past tense. You know, where is, I don't think that's right English, but it's correct in what I'm saying. Because we're here right now. Right? Where is. He said, this is eternal life, to know him. The only true God and Jesus whom God the Father sent. That eternal life is not a quantity of life, because you're going to live eternally one way or another. It's a quality of life. And I knew that life came inside of me, and it changed me. It transformed me. And that was 40 years ago. And from that time forward, I've been serving the Lord and working in different various ministry roles and, and different ministries. And uh, right now, I'm a pastor at Gateway. And God, I can tell you this, he is faithful. 40 years ago, and it seems like it was yesterday I met the Lord. And he came into my life and actually transformed me. And the, night, and the thing I look about is I wasn't looking for him. He hunted me out. He picked me out. And he kept bothering me. But I knew it was him. And it was a good thing. 
And that's the God we serve. Forty years ago, I met Jesus. Oof. I could just take that in and get happy right now. But I'm not going to dance because I don't dance. <laughs> when the Holy Spirit hits me sometimes. Anyway, I want to talk, uh, and I'm going to try to put like an eight to ten week teaching, give you some highlight points into a few minutes here. And I want to talk about a subject I call kingdom leadership or kingdom authority. And I'm going to define something for a couple things for you, and then I'm going to bring a point. I want to un- you understand this. I want to, if I could highlight what I would call the key virtue, the key thing that allows all of us to lead with authority. Because you may not think you're a leader, but you are. Because a leader is just someone who guides someone else. A leader doesn't have to be someone who speaks in front of everybody. A leader doesn't have to be the governor or the president or the head of a corporation. What I've realized, we all can lead. It's not, and it's not by the things we just say, but it's the things that we do. You know, you lead people around you all the time. Now, I know my, my wife is a very kind of, not quiet, but, you know, she doesn't like to be in front of people. But all she has to do is show up around people and she can make everybody feel important. She don't have to say a word. And that leads and guides people towards the love of God. We're all leaders. And we're all leaders in the kingdom. So let's, let's, let's do a couple definitions for you. And i got to use these now because the words are shrinking. Uh, anyway. How many of you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so let's talk about the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus highlighted the kingdom of God a lot. If you read the Gospels of Matthew... Mark and Luke. It's the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven. That's the primary message that Jesus is talking about. So when we talk about the kingdom of God, what is that? If you think about it, is it, is it a place we go? Um, is, it, is it somewhere somewhere else? Is it something that God is doing in the future? See, the kingdom of God, I like to define it as this, is the dominion of God. It's the place where God has influence and his will has its way, and the culture that is as a result of that is all around the will of God. And the kingdom of God, you know, we're, we're supposed to be seek first the kingdom. Jesus taught us how to pray in the kingdom. But the kingdom of God is not something external. The kingdom is something, what? Internal. The scriptures say that we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness, the dominion of darkness. Like, darkness has its rule over you into the kingdom of God. Translate I mean, you know, like warp speed. That's what happened. You were born again. You didn't see it. You know, you didn't really know that it happened in your head. But if God were to open your eyes, you got translated at warp speed into another kingdom in the kingdom of heaven, seated in heavenly places. And all the things that happen in heaven, all the things that how heaven operates. Now, that's the way you're supposed to operate. So it's the dominion of God on the earth, but the earth he's talking about is not this planet. Right here. What's your body made of? Earth. That's like when Jesus said, you know, that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray the Lord's Prayer. What we're really saying, Lord, have your will done right here. Your dominion, your will, your desire done right here. Your will done on this earth. As it is in heaven. That's where it starts. Because when it starts right here, and we start influence, you're starting to influence by the kingdom inside of you, your thinking, your decisions, 
how you act and react to life, how you deal with, in a sense, issues, tragedies, and all the things that happen, how you believe in faith, how you love when people hate, how you forgive when people don't forgive, how you show mercy when people don't show mercy, how you show kindness when people don't show kindness, how you show humility when people show arrogance and pride. That's when the kingdom has its way and that there's dominion, there's power in that kingdom. So when you allow that kingdom to live inside of you, and that's what Jesus said. He said the kingdom of God in Luke chapter uh, 11, verse 20 and 21, it is within you. Now, I define leadership as this, and I mentioned it before. It's guiding or directing ourselves or others to something. You're guiding and directing yourself. God is leading us, guiding and directing us internally. And when we're guided and directed internally by God, Paul said, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Paul knew as he imitated, mimicked Christ, he would be a leader in the kingdom of heaven. And it's not because he's the apostle Paul, you know, the, the uh, prophet, the teacher, the apostle, you know, wrote two, two-thirds of the New Testament. That's not why he was a leader. He was a leader because he imitated Jesus. So, I, you know, I was thinking about this, and actually Pastor Lance uh, at our church you know, he was talking about leadership, and he mentioned some things. And all of a sudden, as I started thinking about it, the Lord gave me this new course called Kingdom Leadership. And I came up with a definition, and I'll say this a couple times. Kingdom leadership is leadership that intentionally, means you make an effort, guides and directs people toward the culture of the kingdom of God. And doing that with integrity, or living in the principles of the kingdom authority to work through us. This happens during relational connection with God and one another. I'll say that again. Kingdom leadership is leadership that intentionally guides and directs people towards the culture of the kingdom of God and doing that with integrity, which is living in the principles of the kingdom of God that work through us. And this happens during relational connection first with God Because it has to start with God first and then with other people. So in order to be a leader, you need to have what I would call authority. Because authority gives you the power to influence. Sometimes, well, how do we influence people? Sometimes you can influence people like by constraining them. You can manipulate them. There's so many different ways we can be influenced. But, you know, what you really need is the authority of heaven. And that's the authority that God has given us. And I've realized that there's one key ingredient. And it's not how good we look. It's not the color of our skin. It's not how how well we speak. It's not how well we do things. There's one key ingredient that allows and releases authority in all of us. One key ingredient. And that key ingredient will release the kingdom of heaven inside of you and around us. So Jesus gave us authority. He gave all of us authority. I'm going I'm to read how he gave Peter authority. And this is what he gave to the church. And I'm going to kind of take you through a little story. It says here in John 16, 13, if you want to turn there. If you're not, I'll just read it to you. And this is a story when Jesus came to the disciples and they said, Who do you say I am? And they said, Some say you're Jeremiah, one of the prophets prophets or or John the Baptist or whatever. And then he says, but who do you say I am? 
And here's Peter standing for it as he normally did. And he, and he said this, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, Peter, but my father who is in heaven. And he also goes on, he says this, And I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, shall not overpower it. And I will give you, get what? The keys of the kingdom of God. What do keys do? They unlock things. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So Jesus is talking about, listen, guys, I'm going to come here. I'm going to set up my kingdom. And guess what? I'm going to give you the keys of that kingdom, and you're going to have authority in that kingdom. Now, the, the disciples were waiting for the kingdom of God to come. They all were asking Jesus, even after he rose from the dead, what did he say to him? Is, are now you going to set up the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Israel now? Why? Because they were waiting for a kingdom to come. But the kingdom they were waiting for was not what Jesus was going to set up. They were waiting for a kingdom like who? David. David came and he conquered the known world at that time, set up the kingdom of Israel at that time, and that influenced that kingdom. And then it was the scriptures talk about that there's one coming who's going to have a greater kingdom. So you know what the type of kingdom the disciples were thinking of coming? That he was going to set up another earthly kingdom, a powerful kingdom, and that Jesus was going to be the king. And guess what? They just got anointed as his underdudes. They were his leaders. He said, and they knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. Because at that time, if you were in leadership, you had authority in a kingdom. You could bind and loose anyone you wanted to. And guess what? They couldn't stop you because they knew they had authority. And so Jesus was saying to you, I'm going to give you the authority of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And I'm going to give you these keys. Now you have to learn how to use the keys. So they knew that, they were, that Jesus just anointed them to be leaders in their kingdom. Jesus just said, you're going to be my leaders. And do you know that right after this happened... And not before this, but after this happened, guess what arguments started to happen? They argued about who was going to be the biggest leader in the kingdom. You know why? Because their selfish ambition all got in the way. And guess what? We would be no different. Now, sometimes we're kind of hard on them, but you got to understand, they would be our consider, we consider like just fresh, brand new, diapers still wet, baby Christians who just are just coming out of living in a world system and living in a worldly environment, all of a sudden get disrupted by Jesus. And here's Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. And here's Jesus talking about, you know, uh, all the things he's going to do, casting out devils, healing the sick, and speaking with authority and a power, and disrupting everything. And they all say, well, here's the Messiah. Here's the guy who's going to set up the kingdom. And he has just chosen us to be his leaders. that's what Jesus was talking about. So I could just see Peter, and I, I got to tell you, I wouldn't be any different walking around. <sighs> I answered Jesus. 
I answered Jesus. I, I answered his question. I told him he was the Christ. And did you see the commendation Jesus just gave me? Now, he may not have said it outwardly, but inwardly he was thinking and he was beaming about it. And all the disciples were thinking about it. Now, what's going to happen here? But it just it wasn't too long after that. It actually says this. A couple verses later, because they, they didn't really get what Jesus was doing. They didn't know that, how Jesus was going to set up his kingdom. They didn't know what he was going to do. They, 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 hadn't, they still didn't understand the cross at all and where he was going. They, they didn't have any clue. As a matter of fact, as Jesus talked about it, until after he rose from the dead, none of them understood it. You know who's the only person who really understood what Jesus was doing? Anyone have a guess? In the Bible. Mary of Bethany. She understood. Remember when she anointed his head with oil and they were all, all mad, like, oh, why didn't you give this and act spiritual and give the money to the poor, da-da-da? Jesus said, don't bother her because what she just did, what she just did is going to be known as a memorial. Like, this is big, big in heaven. I got to tell you, what's big in heaven is not always big in earth. That's why we need eyes of heaven. God sees things totally different. The closer I get to the Lord, the more I realize how screwed up I am so often. I'm just telling you the truth. I always say, God, show me your judgments. And you say, why do you do that, man? He's going to make you an ink spot. I said, when I say show me your judgments, I want to understand how you judge and see things. How you judge what's righteous, what's unrighteous, what's right, what's wrong. That's what I'm talking about. Because I want to see what Jesus see. I want to do what Jesus did. I want to think like Jesus think. And I know that doesn't come in my natural man at all. And if you're living and breathing, it doesn't come in your natural being at all. What comes, what that comes from is a personal relationship with Jesus. And Jesus said about Mary of Bethany, she's doing it for my burial. She got it. She knew something was going on. You know, Mary never preached a sermon. Mary never raised the dead. The three times Mary of Bethany's mentioned in the New Testament, what's she doing? Anyone know? Sorry, there's some water. What? That's right. She was worshiping at his feet, just looking at him. Just looking at him. That's how you get revelation. So here's Peter. So Jesus, right after he gave, gives them the great commendation, he said, from that time Jesus began, this is verse 21 of Matthew 16, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and get this, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Now, how can you go from being leader in the kingdom to the guy who's setting up this king, kingdom dying and me still being a leader? This is what Peter was thinking. And it wasn't just Peter, but he was the one who had the big mouth. Peter took him aside. I just, you know, I think of this and I kind of laugh. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying... God forbid it, Lord, 
this shall never happen to you. Like, you know, all of a sudden, since Peter has been anointed as a leader, now he's his chief security guy. And now that he's his chief security guy, I got to step in and help Jesus to make sure he does the right thing here. And I'm going to protect him. And that sounds, it sounds good, right? It sounds like, Jesus, I'm going to protect you. This may never be. You're the king of kings. You're the Lord of lords. You're setting up this kingdom. This can't happen. And what did Jesus do? Oh, God, man. Oof. Talk about getting slapped in the head. Boom, boom, pow. I find sometimes after our greatest commendations and blessings from the Lord, many times we get our greatest rebukes we have our greatest failures because too quickly it kind of goes from here to here and this kind of expands a little too big and then Jesus kind of needs to show us no that's not the way it's going to be and he said get thee behind me Satan and he said you're not thinking of God's kingdom you're not thinking of God's will this is not the dominion of God on the earth you're thinking about your own position in the kingdom. That's what he was thinking about. So his own selfish interest and his own pride got in the way. And we all would have been the same thing. You know, I read in a book once by Andrew Murray, and this this like, every time I read this, it kind of just makes my tongue hit the top of my mouth. Like, oh, that hurts. He said this, that pride <laughs> is a sufficient explanation for every human fault and frailty. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> I remember this is book on humility he has, and I've read it a lot of times, and there's just prayer in the back of the book. And he said, you know, pray this prayer. And I think the first time I, I read the book, I was 25, and, and I'm paraphrasing the prayer, and it said, you know, pray that God would show in you all levels of pride, whether it be of yourself or evil spirits, and root them out of your life. I go, oh, I'm hungry for God, man. I want this. I want this. And so, you know, I could do that, Lord. I prayed that prayer. And it seems like within a two weeks period, it seemed like everyone took it upon themselves to come up to me and tell me what was wrong with me. Oh. And then I said, God, all right, I got enough. That's enough. It's funny, huh? It's always funny when it's not you. <laughs> I know you've been there. You've been there. I know you've been there. Anyone who's breathing is walking in the kingdom and wants to serve Jesus. We've all been there. So, you know, as time went on, you know, obviously that had to be a little difficult for Peter. Left his mind like, do not compute. How are we going to do this? But I better not question Jesus again because I'm going to get another stupid. I'm going to say something stupid and be rebuked again. But even in Jesus's rebuke, there's always compassion. So here in Matthew 18. Remember I told you there was three times in the New Testament they started. Well, actually, the first time it was a discussion. In Matthew 18. The other two times it was an argument. And one of those times, what happened is James and John outworked the rest of the disciples and trying to get that position in the kingdom. What did James and John do? They used their mom. I mean, you know, we, you know, go to Jesus and ask them if we could sit in your right and left hand. 
And then all the disciples got really mad because they got outworked and maneuvered by James and John on how to get a position in the kingdom. You know, how could you turn down someone's mom? You know, they're looking at you. You know, these are my boys. Help them, please. But this is the first, this is the first time Matthew 18. It says this, verse 1 through 5. About this time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put a child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth. Remember, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, the dominion of God, where God has his will, his way, his influence, and his culture. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like a child, you will never get into the kingdom. Ah! Literally what that says, listen guys, if you don't become like a little child, you'll not even get in the kingdom, nevertheless be one of my leaders. Think about that. How is a little child? A little child is just pliable, amiable, listens. You know, there's a characteristic about a little child and, and, and sometimes, you know, how they just believe and, and are, are just, there's just something built into a little child that's so innocent and so faithful and so believes and is so humble. And so, but Jesus said, listen, guys, if you want to be leaders in my kingdom, if you, if you at least, if even if you want to, if you just want to get in, you got to become like a little child. If you want to be leaders, you're going to have to even go farther than that. You know, as I look at, I, I enjoy looking at Peter's life because we all have kind of fun at his expense, right? You ever, you know, open, open mouth, insert foot, insert other foot, left, right foot, toes, and everything else? Peter just said everyone, everything else everyone's thinking. That's all. And again, they were young. But as I go and I start lead, and I look at Peter and what God did and transformed, and then I look at what he says in his, in his epistles. Get this. And I, I didn't see this for years. I was sitting there, oh. And I started reading this one day because I quoted the scripture forever, you know? And then one day I read it and I look, oh, he said this here, children here, this here. Oh. Matter of fact, if you read 1 Peter 5 about what leadership is and how to lead, he has a beautiful explanation of that in 1 Peter 5. But he says this in 1 Peter 2, and I, I think you've probably all read this. So he says, 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3, you've got to get this. He says, so get rid of evil behavior. Evil behavior is selfish, self-centered behavior. That's where it all starts. That's its own teaching, good and evil, but just start there and you, that will help. Be done with what? All deceit or malice. Meaning like stop trying to push yourself forward and get like your plans to get in front of everybody. That's what it's called. Malice of forethought. Be done with deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy. You think they were jealous of one another? Yeah. And all unkind speech like backbiting, you know, putting people down. You know, you may say hi brother in the front then behind the scenes. You know, do you see what they did? Da, 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 da. But then look what Peter says. He goes, get, get rid of all those attitudes. Put those things aside. Remember, Jesus said, become like a little child, right? Now Peter, he took it a step further. What did he say? 
like newborn babes, totally dependent on their parents. Like new, he took it a step further, didn't he? He got it. Oh man, this makes me feel good. There's hope for me. You must crave pure spiritual milk that you may grow in, in the full experience of salvation. Mm. Wow. Become like a newborn babe. Totally dependent on their mother for the milk. Peter got it. Peter understood how to walk in authority in the kingdom. If you think of the kingdom of God, you know, when one kingdom attacks another kingdom, you know, to destroy another kingdom, that's what happened when Jesus came. The kingdom of God showed up, the dominion of God in the heart of Jesus, and came to attack the kingdom of darkness. And what was God's attack weapon? From the kingdom of God to the kingdom of darkness. You ever think about it now? What's his attack weapon? I like to kind of think of natural things and, and equate it to spirit. What was the attack weapon? I mean, what was, the, what was the weapon? Did they take out the atomic bomb? Did they take out, you know, the machine guns? What did they take out? What did Jesus take out? What do you think? Faith? Yeah, that's true. What's the attack weapon? Where was the greatest victory happened? cross. The cross is the attack weapon of the kingdom of God to destroy the kingdom of darkness. It was a weapon. Matter of fact, that weapon was so powerful, it provided salvation, healing, and deliverance for all mankind forever. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Matter of fact, there's so much power in heaven that from the cross, all we have to say is, Jesus, come into my heart. And he goes, light be, and boom, there it comes. Another person translated out of the kingdom of darkness. Didn't end. But the method of how that, you know, like how to operate that attack weapon. How do I get it to work? How, how did that work? What's the method? Well, Philippians 2 tells us that. It says, therefore... Therefore, is there any encouragement in Christ? Get this. If there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, and by the way, all that stuff is here. I can tell. It really is. You guys are, you guys are beautiful the way you just worship and you love one another. In any affection and compassion, make my joy being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit and intent to one purpose. Get, guess what? Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. But with what? Humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look on your own personal interest, but the interest of others. And get this. This is the attack weapon. This is how it was used. This is the technology that you need to get in your brain and how to use it. It says this. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man, being found in appearance as man. What did he do? He humbled himself. Humility is the 
is the ingredient is the ingredient that releases authority. It's the upside down kingdom. It's the absolute upside down kingdom. Humility is a place of entire dependence on God. Humility is a place where God is everything and you are nothing. Humility is a place when you're willing to accept the truth about God and yourself and not run away from it, but embrace it and let God work inside of you. It says this about him. It says, Jesus, who being in the form of God, being in the form of God and existing in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. You know what that really means? Although Jesus was God and being in the form of God, he did not think that being with God was a thing to be held on to was the most important thing. If it wasn't for if that wasn't the most important thing, holding on to his divinity, holding on to being equal with God, what was the most important thing to Jesus? You. counted us more important than his divinity and being at the right hand of, of God and the, of the Son of God. He counted what more important was the will of the Father and the dominion of the Father and the dominion of the Father wanted to redeem mankind. He emptied himself as, his, as divinity, became a man, became his very creation and came down to this earth And not only this earth, when they was on this earth, they wanted to make him king. And he also rejected the authority of man trying to make him king and humbled himself what? Under death of the cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him. And gave him the name that's above every name. You see, humility is what releases And you can't be humble because you want to. You can try, but you're going to fail. You're humble because you learn to walk with God. And by reason of use and walking with God, dealing with the affairs of life and dealing with life and dealing with people, you learn to take what he says and believe him at his word and believe that he will do what he says he will do. Even when it's not the way you think he should do it, which is most of the time the way we think. Now, I'm going to end this here. One time, and I'm going to end it with a story. One time, and I'm going to read one more scripture to you. Uh, I was in a pastor's prayer meeting. And, uh, you know, I worked all day. I, I work full-time in the world as well as do my pastoral job. I've argued with God about this for 20 years. and like, God, he goes, this is what I want you to do. I finally stopped arguing. You know, those arguments, you don't win. Because, you know, it's like taking a lap. I don't know about you. I like to exercise, but running around a track really is boring. It's like, you know, it's like, okay, we're at the starting point. God says, do this. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. You ready to do it? Ready to do it. (laughs) You got it. So I'm in this meeting with uh, a bunch of pastors at Gateway and, uh, you know, I was kind of tired, worked hard, and you know, but I really enjoyed prayer because, and I made myself go there. And we started to pray, and all of a sudden, uh, as we started to pray, I just closed my eyes and I just started to talk to the Lord, and immediately I felt like His presence. 
Now, I'm not saying, listen, um, this doesn't happen to me. It happens to some people, but it doesn't happen to me, at least as of today. The heavens didn't open up. The scrolls didn't come down. He didn't say, come up hither or anything else. But I heard, uh, but everything got still, like it was really still and peaceful. Matter of fact, it was the same type of peace I had when I was in worship here. I could have fell asleep and just sat there, not really fall asleep, but it was, that, it was just one of those things for me today. But he, you know, as we were praying, he said, you know, my leaders want authority to influence the world around them. And I knew they did. I did. I have had hunger and desire, and I've tried, and I've tried, and I've done to some degree, I think, you know, God's used me to influence the world around me, but when I look at, you know, our governments, and I look at the schools, and I look at corporations, and I know there's a lot more things that happen than I know of, okay? God always, he just knows how to backdoor things, okay? When you think all the press is out there telling about all these bad things, man, he's backdooring things all over the place. So understand, he has it, he has the plan. He knows how to get things done. And even as contingency plans for human weakness and frailties, like when we screw up, he still knows how to get us there if we just turn back to him. And he said this to me, my leaders want authority to change the world around them. But they won't receive the authority of the lion to change the world around them until they learn to walk in the meekness of the lamb. Oh, And I'm like, ah! Meekness is humility's first cousin. They kind of go together. Meekness, I like to define it this way, is power under control submitted to the will of God. Ah. Power, authority, under control submitted to the will of God. It's like God gives you that authority and the way you're using that authority is based on his will and his desire, not your self-interest, not your benefit or whatever. It's just for what God wants. And I thought about that and it, it just like everything got quiet around me. And I, I was like, God, oh, that's so good. You see, people think that Jesus is a lion, you know, came as a lamb the first time and he's coming back as a lion the second time. I don't agree with that. He's always a lion and a lamb. He came as a lamb, but he conquered the greatest victory in all history through the cross as a lamb. So he conquers as a lion through the meekness of the lamb. How does that work? And then all of a sudden the Lord took me to Revelations 5. This is so good. This is the chapter where, you know, John was in heaven and everything was quiet. And all of a sudden, you know, they asked the question, who is, and this is before the seals were released. There's three major releases in the book of Revelation. And it says this, no one in heaven or earth or under earth was able to open the book or look into it. So they, they announced, the angels announced, who is worthy to open the seals? Who is worthy? And then John said, there was no one found worthy. And then John said, he began to weep. Well, first off, John was wrong. There was someone worthy. He just didn't see it. Everybody else around him saw it. 
You know, sometimes you pray to God and you ask him for something and then nothing happens and then you just you just like, ah, oh, God, and you start weeping and crying. Sometimes you just need to open your eyes, sit down and wait and look. The answer's right in front of you. You know, we get so emotional sometimes about things and we just like, God, where are you? And he's like, right here. Oh. And if our eyes were just opened and our hearts were open, we'd see what he's doing. See, but we have to kind of get in there and kind of do it and make it happen. And, and you know, God, this is the way to do it. And we just get in the way and then they go, sit, sit down. He knows how to get things done. He knows how to get you done too. And he knows how to make you the perfect bride. And it goes on here and says, Stop weeping. Stop being like a baby, John. It's right in front of your eyes. This is my paraphrase, okay? Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome, and he can open the seals. The lion of the tribe of Judah. That was a, that was a term for the Messiah coming. I mean, that's the leader. The root of David, meaning the one who's coming in David's line to lead the kingdom and to lead things. He is coming. He has come, and he's in Jesus. So it's two terms for leadership. Top leadership. Now get this. And then all of a sudden, John looked like... Okay, now look. And they're like, John, over there. Look, look, look. I'm paraphrasing. But I like doing this because I think about these things. Like, what's the scene? What's going on? You know, sometimes if we do that, you'll amaze what really is there. And half the religious stuff that you believe that's not true anyway, you all of a sudden get that blown out of the water and you really think, what, understand what God's talking about. Did I say that? And he said, and I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders, this big lion. Is that what it says? No. A lamb standing as if slain. He said he saw the lamb. I don't know what a lamb standing as slain looks like. I, I think about that. I'm like, it doesn't compute. Maybe when I get in heaven and maybe God will get me. You know, I just have to talk the way I think about things. Because too often, I, I think we don't ask these questions. And God's not mad if you ask them. Matter of fact, I think he's happy that you ask them, that someone's actually talking to him about things rather than just repeating the same thing over and over. Did I say that too? I'm guilty of it. He saw a lamb that has slain, having seven horns and seven eyes. Horns actually represent authority, which are the seven spirits of God sent in all the earth. It was the lamb that was worthy. You know, the book of Revelation is not the story of Jesus Christ alone. It's not a story of Jesus coming back to judge the world. It's the story of the revelation of the Lamb. If you read in the book of Revelation, it talks about the Lamb like 29 times. It's the revelation of the Lamb of God. 
And it goes on here in verse 12. It says, worthy is the lion. No, it doesn't say that, right? It says, worthy is the lamb. And what does the lamb receive? Power. Riches. Wisdom. Might. Honor. Glory. And blessing. All the things that you need to lead with authority came to the Lamb. That's good. So that's what all the elders and the angels were saying. And then the whole earth started going on. And it says this, To him who sits on the throne and the Lamb be blessing, honor, glory, dominion, authority forever and ever. key ingredient for leadership and influence in the kingdom is humility. It's that simple. That releases kingdom authority. That releases God's will and desire in your life. I got to tell you, the things that have humbled me the most and caused me the most pain directly afterwards have come with the greatest spiritual interactions and blessings with God and the greatest authority with God that I've ever had. It's the authority of the lion that is released in the meekness of the land. It's the authority of the kingdom that is released in the meekness and humility of God working inside of you. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to pray here. And, uh, you know, I could, I just want you to kind of enumerate on what was said. Because, frankly, if you're like me, it takes a while to kind of, for all this stuff to sink in. I just want you to think about it. And ask God for grace to receive truth grace for humility. You can't receive truth because you want truth. You need grace to receive truth. And I define grace as this way, as God's willingness to use his power and ability on your behalf to bring on you what you can't bring on yourself. A little more expanded than I'm there to think. So Father, I thank you for your people here. Holy Spirit, I ask you to blow in And I asked for authority to be released in this congregation. I asked for authority to be released in the pastors and the leadership. I asked for the grace and the virtue of the kingdom authority to be released to affect the community and the people around them. I call this church a kingdom church. I call these people kingdom leaders. I call these people kingdom warriors. I call these people kingdom leaders and warriors, kingdom singers, worshipers, deliverers, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. I call them all those things. Let that be released here today. 
let it be released. Release it, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just wait upon you. Father, I ask that your healing power would come. I ask that you'd follow your word with signs following. Thank you, Lord. I just sense there's a couple things that the Lord wants to heal. There's gifts of healing. Pastor Jared, do you want to do this in the midst of communion? Yeah, when we do that, I'll I'll call us out.